Internets, we back for another one. Let me tell you something. Tonight, okay, if you're listening when it just comes out and you're from Detroit, okay, I want you to pull up on me. I'll be in Detroit Thursday, January 18th, which is today when it dropped. You may be listening another time, so it could be a different date, but it's all good. If you're in Detroit, come pull up on me. Okay, I'll be at the panel. Shout out to the College of Hip Hop, the Connected Experience. I'll be at the po- panel there talking about podcasts, man. If you got a podcast, you want to grow a podcast, you want to learn about anything, and you're in Detroit, stop by and pull up on me. Bring me a snack, though. Don't play around. Bring me some Twinkies, some Hostess. Don't bring me no regular weed. I don't want no... Listen, I don't smoke weed, but I definitely want no re- regular weed. If you do bring me something, give me something good so I can give it to somebody else. Um... Then a couple of days after that, for the next couple of days, I'll be in Vegas. So anybody from Vegas, follow me on the socials. Make sure Premium Pete, Premium Pete Show. Let me know if you're from Vegas. Holler at me. Maybe we could uh, meet up. Listen, I want to thank everybody that checked out last week's episode of Style. If you haven't yet, check it out. Let me tell you something. I always say this. Don't go looking at a name and see like, okay, Style, you know, I don't really know much about dude. Okay, that's why you should listen. If you don't know about dude, then you'll learn. A lot of these episodes are just really like, you know, breaking down the journey and explaining about like the ups and downs, you know what I mean? Like everything in between. So, you know, whether it be an athlete, an artist, you know, an entrepreneur, man, I'm so excited for 2018. Like, like I I really am, you know, like, you know, losing combat has been very tough. And and, and even just like, you know, we did the, um, we did the uh, final episode. It's like crazy to even think like those words alone like hurt me um because it's like kind of like come to an end like i've seen so many people say what a ride you know and 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 i just want to make sure his legacy lives on forever so it's kind of hard writing final episode and and to be honest with you it was kind of sad doing a reunion episode something he wanted so much to do without him you know he was always like yo we're gonna get the whole band back Kick it, you know, barbershop talk, see how everyone's doing. I wish we would have done that. Internet, let me tell you something. Sometimes I feel like a lot of people don't get together and do shit until it's too late. If there's something you wanted to do with a friend or there's some place that you wanted to go with somebody, a friend, a family member, don't hold that off. Don't wait until y'all meet up each other because of a funeral or because of something crazy happened. Do that shit. Life is short. You never know how much time you have. Take advantage of that shit. Trust me, Okay. And it's always rest in peace, Combat Jack. It's always we're going to keep the light shining. It's always raise the bar. And it's always thank you. Thank you, Reggie. Thank you, Combat, for providing the platform, for having the vision and the determination, and for also just giving me an opportunity to raise the bar and take it to the next level and be here. Um, Internet, let me tell you something. Like I was saying, that Stolly episode, I, I, I mean, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. I mean, playing basketball with LeBron and just a real good dude. One thing I really liked about Stolly is like when he spoke about his moms and how important she was to him. And it just goes to show you how, how important a parent is to a kid, man. I can't, I can't preach this shit enough. Like it, you not being in your kid's life. That's why we always say presence over presence because you not being in your kid's life really affects them. You know, it, it hurts them. It doesn't, it, it it doesn't do him justice, man. It, it does him a, a, a disservice. And uh, internet, try not to make that happen. No matter what you're going through, if you're going through something with the lady, if you're going through something with the guy, no matter what it is, your kid is the bigger picture. Don't let that shit get in the way. You know, just breathe, 
Don't get in trouble for no shit, okay? I'm out here fucking, uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I can't be no fucking public defender. And internet, let me tell you something. Don't get a lawyer with a cheap suit. If you, if you, if you, uh, if you need a lawyer for anything, do not hire that motherfucking lawyer if he has a cheap suit. If the shoulder pads are a fucking fagazi, or they look suspect, or the button is coming off on one of them. You understand? If you ever want to do any shit, make sure you get yourself a lawyer who has a good suit, man. A good-looking fucking suit. Okay? You know, listen, that's my advice for the fucking day. This episode that we're going to have this week is with the founder of Raw Rolling Papers, Josh Kesselman. Let me tell you something. The, <laughs> I love social media, man. The way this shit happened was so random. But that's what life is about. That's what That's what hanging out with creatives is about. That's what that's what being creative about is being like quirky and weird and and trying and 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 and, and, and embracing you know different things. Internet. This man started raw rolling papers. I mean, it's a phenomenon. I mean, people use raw. I mean, the way they change the smoke game is 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 insane. And he speaks about so many different things. And and his charity game is insane. More importantly, the dude's a vegan for sixteen years. And had a Ferrari vegan built. What the fuck? A Ferrari vegan? Yeah. We talk about that. And one thing I love about these entrepreneur episodes is how much you can learn from them. And that's what I really love to do. You know, I said this before and I'm going to say it again. You could just be here doing a podcast and talking shit. Who gives a fuck? But if you could leave something behind, if you could be a platform that gives people a chance to, to further in their life, to learn something... Like, yo, somebody may be listening right now on a night job or a day job that they fucking hate. But they learn something and it provides them tools. So when they do move on, they have them tools to use. And that's what I'm fucking proud about. Let me tell you something, no matter what you do, make sure you leave something behind. Leave something that could live far after after you're gone. It ain't all about eating weed brownies and, 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 and having sex and, and eating good food and looking good. It's what you leave behind because no one's going to remember the outfit you wore last week when you're gone. Ain't nobody going to remember that shit. All the brownies you had. Or, 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 or all the girls that you you claimed you had sex with. Or, the, or vice versa, the guys. It, it, let me tell you something, man. Leave something behind that could live and breathe and be, and be instrumental and inspirational far after you're gone. And that's something that I believe Reggio say, my brother Combat Jack did. But without getting off, I want to say these episodes like this is is like class in session. Don't ever be afraid to learn. Like shout out to my brother Styles P. He always talk about health and plant based food and how it's being like being cool is being healthy. Why isn't it? Why people look at like something like as it, it, be, uh, let me tell you something. Learning how to diet is tough, but staying alive is amazing. Being healthy, and, and, and you won't realize that until you later on, but if, if you have a chance to start that early. So, Internet, listen, we're going to continue bringing you episodes like this. Continue to help you. I'm going to continue to make sure this platform could not only make you laugh, but also could make you smarter and make you learn something and help you in your, in, in your journey. Okay? So, you know, what, you know what time it is. I'm going to tell you what time it is. It's time to check the fuck in. If you're listening now, open up your Twitter app, at Premium Pete at the Premium Pete Show, and check in. Let me know where you're checking in. Yo, last week, 
And every week, whenever I mention this, I see everybody check in Switzerland, Russia. I've seen people in Savannah, Georgia. I've seen people checking in from fucking uh, uh, Scotland. Listen, check the fucking so I could see what you're doing. We could communicate on there at Premium Pete, at the Premium Pete Show check in. And let me tell you something. I love all the emails I've gotten about your podcast. I've answered some. I'm going to get to more. Listen, I got so many, so it's taking me time. Some people I'm, I got on the phone call with. Just gave him some of my advice. I plan to get to all of them. You want to email it? Email it to thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com. Okay, email me your podcast. You know, I've been in the game enough to listen to it. Maybe I'll give you some advice. Maybe the sound quality ain't that good. Maybe you should change something around. But I'm going to let you know something. If you send me an email, give me the full information. Don't just put, like, yo, it's my podcast. What's it about? Where you from? What's going on? Let me know about that. I want to help like further the podcast community. Remember, it's not about how big you are. It's about how big is your content. How, how, how inspirational. How, how, how moving is your content. Okay? But internets, listen. Make sure you subscribe. I want, yo, I want people to leave more comments, man. Leave comments. Like, yo, go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. I always tell you, I don't care. Even if you tell me, fuck you, Pete. Or if you tell me, yo, Pete, I appreciate you. Or Pete, listen, what's good? Go to SoundCloud. Leave comments on the episode. Wherever you can leave a comment, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a comment. Subscribe, rate, and most importantly, tell a friend to tell a friend. Now back to what I was saying about this week's episode with the founder of Raw Rolling Papers, Josh Kesselman. It's time for you to learn, man. Get your notes, get your pen and pad out, and hear how this guy from a young kid had an admiration for rolling papers because of his father's magic trick. Turned it into a multi, multi million dollar company. Internet, I present to you the Raw Rolling Papers founder, Josh Kesselman, episode of the Premium Pete Show. Let's get to it. Cheer. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, Buzz Milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. I'm sitting here with somebody who I really admire. Somebody who, to me, in many worlds, is legendary. Okay? Now, I mean that. I mean, listen, you know, not every day you get a chance to um, sit down with somebody who their mind is something that I've really been inspired by. And uh, once, I I think people don't get to hear the story behind everything. And internets know we have artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, whoever we have on, the journey is everything. You want to hear about that journey and, and really understand, because in this day and age, people get inspired by that. People want to know the source. And yeah. people should know, because in, in, in this social uh, media day and age, it looks so easy, but it's not. You know, like, a, like you know, somebody will take a picture and not realize that it took 50 pictures to get to that one good one. But listen, Internets, I want to welcome to the Premium Pete Show the founder of Raw Rolling Papers, Josh Kesselman. Thank Josh. you. Thank you. <laughs> I like that. I like that introduction. That's a good, a good fucking introduction, man. I appreciate Listen, it. Listen, first of all, you grew up in New York, in New York City, right? Um, mom and dad. I, we we were all here. We went out to Long Island for a bunch of years, and I came back here to go to high school because I got kicked out of high school. In Long well, why would you get kicked out of high school? <laughs> I got caught smoking in the dean's bathroom. Oh my god! <laughs> Cigarettes. 
I got caught smoking in the dean's okay, bathroom, okay. everything. I can't fucking remember. It's been so long ago. But we were smoking everything back then. And then I got caught riding a motorcycle through the hallway, and that was it. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, what did mom do? Uh, not much. She kind of sucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what about dad? He was cool as fuck. He's, um, he was in um, sweaters. Mm. Like a garment industry? Yeah, he was in the garment industry. He even had his own factory with the family making sweaters, but then they went bankrupt in the, uh, in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good relationship with Pops? Yeah, he was a good. He's a good dude. Yeah, still yeah. around? Yeah, he's still around. God bless. Yeah. Now, now we'll bounce around, but you obviously became very successful. Yeah. Have you been able to, to do something for Pops that really like uh, wowed him? Like you know, would would? Oh yeah. So like, um, I for his retirement, I gave him um, my last. I used to have a bunch of head shops, mm. like these and these really cool smoke or skateboard shop and all this other stuff. I gave it to him at his retirement. So that way he had another source of income and he could keep him busy mentally and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've given him a lot of money, too, over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, the, have you had people call you, like, saying, like, hey, I think we're cousins, Josh, you know? Yeah, I try. I've actually, I think I've got all that shit blocked now because I had a lot of those things going on. Mm. I think uh, Raw Rolling Papers is uh, obviously uh, super popular. Obviously, you know, someone in, even in the hip-hop culture. Yeah. You know, you look at people like Wiz Khalifa. Who are some of the other people that uh, have really embraced the brand? Well, like, in the beginning, it was it was Currency that was the first person to really endorse it. And mm-hmm. he was the one who, because of him, he was, like, the first inroad where it just went on. Now, pretty much everybody who isn't smoking blondes is smoking raw. Mm-hmm. Um, like, my favorite guys are, of course, like, 2 chains. Mm-hmm. He just gave me an amazing fucking shout-out. Mm-hmm. We're just friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we don't, we never exchange money. It's mm. just about friendship and smoking together and that kind of thing, which is the best part when it's genuine. Mm. And same thing with Wiz. Now we have a business deal. But in the beginning, it was just me and Wiz hanging out and smoking. You know, I love that you say we have a business deal together, you know, because, like, think about it. How many people wore Ralph Lauren? Or how many people wore Tommy Hilfiger? I remember Grand Pooba and Brand Nubian wearing Tommy Hilfiger. But Tommy, as I know, I, maybe they started to send pieces later. It was just a business. He never thought of to, say, reach out to him or further the business. Yeah. Or, or did you, When you seen, like, you know, currency, like, did you think, like, hey, let's do something? Or Wiz, like, like let's do something? Like, the first thing is I'm just, I'm just so fucking honored that I mm-hmm. just want to get them product. It's the first thing. Holy shit, dude, you're smoking my shit. Here's a whole bunch of it. And then you're, where are you going to be? Let's go hang out. Let's go fucking smoke. Let's see what you're about. And then we sit down and hang out and smoke and have a nice session. And you learn so much about somebody by hanging out with them and having a real session. Mm. And, and if you have a few of those late night on the bus uh, with currency on the Jet Life tour, you end up really connecting. And then you actually really understand each other, you know? Mm. There's something that you can't, I mean, you can pay somebody a lot of money. You're never going to connect with them sure. unless you it's actually not, It's not organic or authentic like right. that. And, that. and that's what means a lot. Yeah, all these guys that we work with, it, always, it has to be real. Like, I'm not going to pay somebody to smoke my shit. Mm. If they're smoking it already, and we and they're cool fucking dude, yeah, hell yeah, we'll try to work together. You want me to sponsor your video, and you're this badass motherfucker who's smoking my shit? Fine, I'm in. Mm. But don't come to me and, like, I'm not going to say any names because that'll get me in trouble, but, like, as somebody higher up might come to me and say, hey, we want you to we'll pay us money, we'll put you in this video, mm. and the dude doesn't even smoke my shit, but he's going to fake it for the video? Sure. No, 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 no. That's not No, no we don't fake it over here. Josh, we don't fuck with people like that. <laughs> Good. Listen, um... You know, you speak about growing up young in the city. Yeah. Okay. What did you even, like, what was your first inkling? Because I think your mind is very special as far as being a creative. What was your first inkling of what you even wanted to do? It was really, well, I guess I was like, it was really going back to like 15 years old when we all snuck into some local fucking head shop and I saw it and just, it blew my fucking mind. Like this kind of place existed with all these fucking amazing products. I was just like, wow. 
<laughs> you know? And that was like, I, I, I really think it was about 15. I might have been 14, but I think I was 15. And I just wanted to, a place called Lindsay's, I think it was, in, um, in Oceanside. I was out there with family, like cousins and stuff. And wow. And that was the moment I realized I knew I wanted to open up a head shop. That was like my dream for a mm. long time. Mm. Do you remember the first time you ever uh, smoked any weed? Yeah, 14. Mm. And were you hooked or, or, or did you nah, like it? It was, you... it was cool. It was fun. I w- it, it was, it wasn't, it was like my best friend at the time, Jed, who's now dead. Mm-hmm. When Rest we were peace. like 16, yeah, and he was a good dude too. Uh, when we were like 16 was the time when I really got actually finally really stoned. And we started having a lot of fun. Mm. Now, were you smoking with the, when they had the seeds and they were popping? The, yeah, it was terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, you get stuff in Washington Square Park, which is now this really nice spot, but you go down there, you'd have the guy walking down the block saying, Buddha, Buddha, says, yeah. Buddha, says, Buddha, Buddha. And you get a matcha. Shit. Yeah, all yeah. the old shit. Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't like that. It's not like that anymore. No one, I don't think they understand. You, you wouldn't see, like, seeds nowadays, I say, you know. No, no, it's totally different. So, so from 14, you've been, say, smoking since then? Well, you gotta, I got to admit, I also smoke, you can hear from my deep fucking voice. I cigarettes? Smoked, yeah. What kind of cigarettes? Well, at the moment, I'm, I only smoke um, either two kinds. One is I grow my own tobacco back in Vancouver. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't trust. Like, well, hold on. I got to stop you. Sure. How does that even happen? Like, how do you, how do you grow your, like, how, how did you have the, the mindset to go to Vancouver and grow fucking tobacco? Well, I live in Vancouver also. <laughs> but okay. there it's just so, it's just, it's a good climate during part of the year to actually grow tobacco. And you got to get it out quick before it uh, rots. Someone told you that? How'd you learn that? I've been doing this for a long time. And I got, I got into the tobacco side of things um, when I opened up my head shop. What I learned was, even before then, I was smoking these awesome clove cigarettes that taste Clove, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like those. Yeah. So, you know, I had, the, I had, like, the girlfriend that dressed in all black with the black nails and the whole thing, and she was a clove cigarette smoker in, like, you know, in the 80s. And she turned me on to clove cigarettes, and I fucking liked them a lot. So when I was in Gainesville and trying to open up my little head shop, one of the things I knew I needed to carry were clove cigarettes. So that brought me into the whole tobacco side. And then there was the whole uh, cigar boom that happened in the, um, in the 90s, and that brought me more, even more, into tobacco. So when I opened up HBI, which is my wholesale like distribution company, I think I import everything, all the stuff. So that's my real home now. Uh, we were heavily in tobacco, in rolling tobacco, though. I uh, I just really enamored with rolling. So it doesn't matter to me what you're rolling. Like if you're rolling tobacco, people like a lot of people hate on tobacco. I get it. I make tobacco. I've been to the Dominican more times than you want to know. Mm. I, I've been to North Carolina, all these fucking places. I understand. And if you really understood to the level that I understand how most cigarettes are made, you wouldn't fucking touch them with a 10-foot pole. Mm. Are you good at rolling? Yeah. You always been good at rolling? No. Actually, you know what? I'm good at rolling, but by my the standards of my close friends, I fucking suck. Because mm. <laughs> some of my dudes can fucking, like, one-handed. You know, and they get it right every time. If I'm not paying attention, if I don't look down, I'm going to roll a bent finger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm, mm. And so, and that's really embarrassing as fuck when you're me. We used to call it back then like Tootsie Roll Pops. You know what I mean? It used to, it used to be in the middle and then short on the side, twisted I'll out. I'll talk about the bent finger because I, I always roll with a tip. Okay, I, okay, like, okay. If I don't pay attention about a tip, next thing you know, I'll look down, I go to hand it something like, oh, and I can't fix it. Once I've gummed it and licked it, now it's too late. Now it's just going to be the bent finger. Everyone's going to be looking in the room like, Really, Josh? Really? <laughs> it's canoeing. Like, what the fuck did you do? You can fucking own the company. You can't fucking roll. But the cool thing is, if I was an expert roller, if I was as good as some of my friends that could fucking roll, then these products that are out that made it easier for everybody wouldn't fucking exist. The fact that I sucked is what inspired me to make things easier. That's like the lineage of cones, which goes back to uh, to 93. 
was for people who, my friends who, I, I could roll back then if I took the time, but my friends who couldn't roll worth a shit. So we started making these tulips, we called them, and they were cones, mm. and uh, pre-rolling them, making it for people who couldn't roll. And the whole propagation of cones, all this is for people that, first it was for people who couldn't roll, but now anybody who's smoking a lot, lot, I mean, to roll takes some time. Mm. To stuff a cone with some of these devices that I've made, you're looking at, what, 15 seconds? Sure. You know, the grinding takes longer than the actual filling sure, nowadays. Sure. So it just made it easier for everybody. I and, mean, and, I mean, and people are, are, are um, creating bats. I mean, I'm talking about, like, you know, you, like, it's amazing. Like, honestly, I think, like, it, it, as I grew up and I've seen, like, rolling papers. Yeah. And I've seen people smoke. You know, I am, I'm amazed at how raw kind of like they're the evolvement like yeah. meaning like if you look at what it was and here's what it is yeah you know um i don't want to I, I mean we'll jump around but like when did you have even have an inkling of starting that company oh okay so you know I, my dad Raw rolling papers i'll try to do it short because we only have so much time i know but my dad used to do magic tricks with his rolling paper when i was a kid so i fell in love with rolling papers at the age of five and they're always to me they were magic and they still are and so that kind of brings you in in a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. So now I've got my, I started collecting them. And when I was 18 is when I really became more of a formal collector. And I put my collection online in the 90s before. I, thought, I think I was the only American with a rolling paper collection online. Mm. And this Real kind, nerd shit. Yeah, real nerd shit. And this, sort of, this started being a thing of trading with the Europeans. I would send them what I considered to be American garbage. Mm. And they would send me back, like, really great papers from Europe. So I knew all the brands. And I knew the old brands. You could tell from the dates on the packs or the information we would exchange with each other about the paper as to where it was from, you know, what we thought it was made out of, any kind of background information we had on it. And you kind of piece together, I guess, like a the universe of rolling. So I knew back then, as I, as I saw what was in America compared to some of the old cool shit that was made in the 70s mm-hmm. in Europe that we could still get some packs of, or even in the 80s, I knew what I wanted to make. I knew that... Um, I knew that what I, what we were selling in the states was garbage compared sure. to what was over there or used to be over there, and I I, I could just tell that people wanted it. Uh, raw is yes, raw itself is new in a way. It's also not new in a way. It for me, it's a travel backwards, not a step forwards. Mm. Uh, most rolling papers, um, the commercial papers, the standard commercial papers, contain things like calcium fucking carbonate. Right? It doesn't sound that bad. It's the same stuff that's in chalk. Um, it's, uh, this, you know, it's ground up calcium carbonated. Great. Doesn't sound that bad. Add it to your paper mix. What it does, it'll make the paper a little less translucent because, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're chalking on something. Sure. But what it does to the burn is it slows it down. Sounds good, right? It, um, it will give you what I call a false white ash where like the ash of it looks nice and white. So that makes you think that the paper itself is better quality and, it does all of this, yet you are smoking fucking chalk. Mm. I don't think people want to do that. In fact, I know they don't. So when we go to make our paper, no, fuck you. We're going to make it the old way. It's just going to be made with just plants. Mm. You mash them up. You have a high fiber content. So that way the fiber itself holds it together instead of having cellulose. If you make a paper out of, let's say, just cellulose, you end up with the equivalent of fucking toilet paper. Mm. Like, you know, you know, when you lick toilet paper and it gets wet, it clumps together, all that kind of shit. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It works for toilet paper, but fiber holds shit together mm. and it doesn't absorb water as well because mm. it's fiber. Where do you make your paper? Um, we, we make the paper up in Alcoy, Spain. Mm, nice. Yeah. 
you have a place up there too? No, not yet. Okay. Eventually. How many places do you have? You like you like Diddy. <laughs> you like Diddy over here. I live in three spots. It just you have. Do you bring luggage or you just got clothes in? I bring some luggage, but I got clothes in all the spots because each one has a reason, you yeah. know. Now you know we we, we in, in these episodes we always bounce around, so it yeah. may not be in order. But you know, obviously you be you've been able to become very wealthy. Um, but your charity game is insane. Yeah. Um, why? Remember Bob Geldorf? Mm-hmm. Well, like he inspired the fuck out of me when I was a little kid. I was watching, I'd watch like Live Aid and these kinds of things. I don't know if you remember any of you guys remember the stuff. Mm-hmm. We Are the World song. Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. So it was this, and it was Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Like it used to be when I was growing up and in those formidable years that the rock star, the real badass motherfuckers would make it and then really give back. They would do some incredible fucking shit and they were judged well for that. And you, I, I, they were awesome. So I grew up thinking that's normal, that if you make it, you really give the fuck back. You don't give it all away. I'm not, I'm not fucking I'm not a saint or one of these kind of dudes, but you really actually do something. And you don't give back by going to some fucking $1,000 plate dinner. You, go, you give back by actually making sure that what you're doing is having a big impact on people who need it. Sure. So that kind of, once you start doing that, it's like its own form of addiction in a way. Plus, you realize that no one else is doing this. And you start thinking, like, why, if they just understood, if they could just see what the fucking need are, and they could help, too. So you start doing more and more and more, trying to fucking inspire them. And if you end up going through a crazy uh, life of a traveler like I have, you end up in some incredible situations, like where your driver, you're off to, you're off to visit some water wells that you did, and you thought that was going to be the greatest thing you ever did in your life. And the driver realizes you're a good dude, so he takes you into Mother Teresa's compound in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, which is the capital of Ethiopia. And you enter this place, and it's like entering in, like, it's this giant gate that they open up. And it says on there, Mother Teresa's home for the destituted and, mm. and dying. And you open up this gate, and you walk in, and the place is incredibly, it's so horrific that, you know, we're using words right now as we talk. Sure. There aren't words that I can really form with these lips to explain to you how bad it really was and the level of suffering that I got to witness when I was in there. It was fucking incredible. And then you're in there. And you want to help these people. You're like, holy shit, what the fuck am I doing here? Now, how are you going to go back to America or Canada and this stuff and live a fucking normal life and jump in your fucking Ferrari and buzz around doing donuts and feel good about yourself? It ain't going to happen. If it does happen, that's cool. You're a fucking psychopath. Mm. You, know, you, ain't, you can't hang out with me. I can't smoke with you. But no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen to you. And it sure as fuck don't happen to me. So you start trying to find a way to actually fucking help. And you find out why is it so bad? What the fuck is going on here? How the fuck did it get like this? And... Fortunately, I found out that they had a terrible water problem in that hospital. And I knew that I could solve it. And I promised them that I would solve it. And they didn't believe me. Here I am. This, you can't, they can't see me on this fucking thing. This long-haired fucking crazy-looking freak. There's no way this dude's going to fucking do it. No one else would do it. The church wouldn't do it. The WHO wouldn't do it. Fucking no one's going to help him. It wasn't WHO. It was uh, Unicor. Mm. Um, United Nations. Everyone said they were going to help. How more. long did that take for you to do that? It took us fucking. It took us a year. Not even. It took us about eight months from the time that we said yes. And it cost a hundred grand. And uh, to to our to your listeners, it's going to sound hundred grand sounds like a lot of fucking money. When you're talking about thousands and thousands of lives, you're going to save. It's nothing. We, we, nowadays, especially in America, because of these bullshit, inflated, completely fake healthcare costs. If I if I like sprain my finger really bad, it's like a hundred. It's a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my insurance company's going to pay a hundred thousand dollars. Bullshit. Meanwhile, I can go over there and you can save realistically ten thousand lives real in a second for a hundred grand. 
you know, you, we spoke about you being wealthy, and that comes with you know being creative and and and, and building product. And yeah. for somebody who has money, if somebody who's traveling the world and living a, a, a high lifestyle, what's like? Obviously, you could tell what's important to you, and that's giving back and 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 building. A, but honestly, like, what's important? Besides that, like meaning, like what what has what what has like is money? You know, how people die for fucking money. Yeah, it's fucking. Like, what do you think of money now that you got it? It's nice to have, man. Okay, it really is because it's nice to have because it allows you to do amazing fucking things. And when I say amazing things, again, we're not talking about private jets. We're talking about like making a change, making a really big fucking change, and living free. Which is nice. Getting up, waking up when you fucking sure, want to sure, wake up, sure. that kind of shit. It's fucking awesome. It really is. Being able to help people you really want to help, that's amazing too. It's a great fucking feeling when someone who I care about needs help and I can just reach in there and fucking help them for real. That's awesome. It's amazing to do the shit. Um, two weeks ago, I, I, I ended up being the funder. It was called Funder of Last Resort. Mm. That means there was nobody else who was going to do it and, he's, and it was desperate. So I, I kicked out uh, that one single donation, 200 and eight or 214,000 fucking dollars. And this is real money. Like, this isn't money I'm fundraising yeah, for other people. Yeah. This is just like, Josh... This is you cutting a check. Yeah, here you go. Here's the check. Okay, let's just do this because no one else is going to fucking do it. And all these people needed help. And he, again, this was in Ethiopia. And the project looked like it was going to save realistically 20,000 fucking people. Now, okay, you say 20,000 people. I just say it like it's a number that rolls off the tongue, right? Like, we got four people in this room right now. Mm. Each one of our lives is fucking incredible. 20,000 of us. 20 fucking thousand of us. I mean, if any, if you guys could do, like, the way I believe it is if any one of you guys could just reach in there and be like, fuck it, I'm going to do it, and reach out and kick out 200 and something thousand dollars, you would do it too. Because mm. these are our people. These are us. Sure. Right? I, I get it. This whole nowadays, especially in America, we're supposed to be us and them and all this bullshit, America first, blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, we're all fucking related. Mm. Every single one of us comes from the Rift Valley of Ethiopia. That's the truth. We can pretend that something else is something else happened or whatever the fuck we can make up fantasy lands but we all come from that one little fucking valley and you go there and you take your fucking shoes off you take your socks off and you plant your feet where we all come from and you understand that there's just one people really quick mm. just us there ain't nobody else you spoke about uh, I, I seen an interview uh, that someone was interviewing and they said how did you grow your business or how are you, how did you? Yeah. and you were like what the fuck is a business <laughs> yeah. you know, explain that for people listening that are doing startups or, or want to be creative or, 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 or want to become an entrepreneur like you like what the fuck is business honestly sure we were talking about that earlier it's like um, alright the way I was taught by my grandpa because I was more raised by my, my grandma and my grandpa a lot and it was the build a better mousetrap theory which goes back to what capitalism really is supposed to be about, right? Yeah, if you understand that it's all just a made-up thing, which it is, okay, why was it made up? Well, it's really a fucking just a simple reward system. If you and I are in business against each other, and our business is catching, mouse catching mice here in this beautiful city of ours, mm -hmm. and I make a mousetrap, a really good one, and I put it out there, and we start catching mice, well, then people are going to come catch buy my mousetrap, and they're going to reward me with this made-up thing called money. Right, And then you're my competitor. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to make a better mousetrap than me that catches even more mice. And then you get rewarded with that, even more of that made-up stuff called 
money. Great. There's your reward. Cool. Thanks for doing that. This is capitalism. And then I'm supposed to compete with you by making an even better mousetrap, motherfucker. Look at this one. And then you do the same thing back to me. We go back and forth climbing a ladder where we're making better and better mousetraps until we end up with a fucking spaceship flying around at warp factor nine, catching fucking mice. As long as we keep going up, and that's where it goes. We go up to the fucking moon only by capitalism working in the right way, which is us going on top of each other. If it ter- what has happened to us in recent years is instead it's like I make a, a really gra- badass mousetrap and then you say, I'm going to make one just like his but cheaper. And then I have to lower my price and make mine even shittier and cheaper. And we're going down a ladder, going into fucking nothing. And that's bullshit. That's not what capitalism is supposed to be. And we shouldn't be getting a reward, yet we do. But it doesn't work. We end up with crap and mountains full of garbage and a completely polluted environment. And we never end up flying through space at warp factor fucking nine. Mm, mm. Hey, listen, people, uh, again, we spoke about money. We spoke about success. We spoke about wealth. People think, but they don't know the hard times. Yeah. They don't know to come up. And, and the failures and, and, and all the things that maybe you felt like giving up a bunch of times. Yeah. I don't know. How did, how, how did you even get to, if you had to tell that story, how did you even get to where you are today? In 93, I opened my first head shop. And Wait, you I, actually moved from the city, right? Yeah, I moved from the city. I was down in Gainesville, Florida. Why did you move, for, move out of New York City? Well, when, when I was 20 years old, essentially I realized there was no place for a boy in the city. Mm. An 18, 19, 20-year-old. The city just doesn't have anything... If you, I think of the city as like, like a woman, you mm. know, and she just had no use for me or any of my friends. Really, we're just fucking around, living our lives. But she doesn't really like us, mm. and she was kicking my ass. Mm. And so when I was twenty years old, I realized that it was like my last chance to get out. I could go down there and go to school, get out, and try to live a different kind of life than I, the life I saw in front of me here, which was a very hard life that I didn't want to go do. So I went down to University of Florida to go to school, and while I was still in school there. I realized there was such a great opportunity to open up this little fucking head shop, and I had to do it before someone else did because there wasn't one there mm. that I sold everything. I'd been doing, making business, doing lots of different little side projects and all the shit. I sold everything except for my $500 van and my Harley that I built myself. I moved into my friend's storage shed behind his place where I had to jump over the lawnmower to get into the bed every night and rented out this tiny little fucking thing for like 500 bucks a month, this little rundown store, and... I opened up my tiny little fucking head shop. No clue what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> you know, I'd sleep in the store when I could. I'd go back to the place otherwise. The only thing that was annoying about the storage shed was that I didn't have a bathroom, so I had to wait for my friend to open up the doors at 9 a.m. if I had to, mm, otherwise I had to mm. pee on his lawn. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, sure, I'm sure that fucking lawn was yellow. Yeah, you know? so it, it comes from that. So one of the things is, you know, the, the um, burn your fucking boats. Mm. There was two things. There was that where I had, sold everything. There was no choice other than success. So people coming into my store, you can imagine how well I treated them. And my whole thing was to try to understand what they wanted so that I could get them what they wanted and make the store kind of tailored to their need. I call it the Tom Sawyer white picket fence, Mm. where I didn't really know what the store should carry. So people would come in and they'd be like, oh my God, you're opening a head shop? Are you going to carry whatever they would say next? I would be like, hell yeah. I'll be here in two well, weeks. <laughs> yeah, you know? And I would ask them questions about which one they wanted or tell me a little more about it, and they would. And sure enough, they'd walk out the door. I'd pick up the phone, call every vendor until I found what they wanted, and then it would bring into the store. They'd come back two weeks later, and there it would be. Brick by brick. Brick Ooh. by brick. The store mirrored exactly what the community wanted. The community built it. I was just their fucking their yeah. medium. And so the store was a huge success, and I did that again and again and again. Why, why Gainesville? 
because that was where I went to school. Okay. And plus, shit was cheap down there. I could actually pull it off. You're talking about, like, I, I think I'd scrape together, like, maybe 10 grand altogether, maxing out every credit card and selling everything. You can't open a fucking anything in New York for 10,000 fucking dollars. You're, you're in this shed. Yeah. You ever feel like quitting? You have, did you did you even think of the bigger picture? Like, or you just were trying to get by? I was just trying to get by. Like, I, my goals were really small. The goal was to not be an accountant. Like, mm. every, my whole life, everyone had been training me to be an accountant. You're going to be an, oh, my God, you're so good with numbers. You're going to make an amazing accountant, Josh. All that kind of shit. <laughs> and I fucking, and during the summers, I went and, like, interned as an accountant, and I fucking hated it. I realized I was doing something um, that I call selling your life. You're selling hours of your life for, like, Back then, it was like, what, five bucks an hour, right? Mm -hmm. You're selling an actual hour of your life for five fucking dollars, doing something you hate. Now, if you're doing something you like, then you're not really selling your time. But if you're doing something you hate, you're selling me an, like, an hour of your life, sitting there cr miserably crunching these numbers for five dollars. Mm. That fucking sucks, you know? Mm. So the goal was to not be an accountant and just to live free. Success came, and that was awesome. But it wasn't really about that as much as it was about being fucking free mm. and it still is to this day you ever work a regular job we, yeah when i was a kid lots of stuff I was, when's I was, the last time you worked a regular job fuck i don't know 91 fucking paper boy <laughs> no scooping ice cream okay <laughs> and i was a cabana boy at a at a beach club out in um on atlantic beach one summer mm. that was awesome you know, you, you build companies, you build, you know, especially you look at how raw rolling papers is, is, is just like super, 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 like, yeah. like we spoke about how popular it is, how many people fuck with it, how many people yeah. love it. But more importantly, you know, when you think about like, w what was the day that you decided like, yo, I'm going to open up this, uh, this company, you know, like who, like who made the fucking logo? Like. <laughs> who, like, who did you, do, do you have a, like, right now, do you have a, do you have a, a, a president there? Like, you know, who did you, how did you know who to hire? Like, because you're not fucking doing the work. Like, <laughs> your I do mind a lot of work, but I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the hard work yeah. anymore. I, I got, there's lots of guys out there who do the real hard work. And they how work many, up. how many people work for the company? It depends upon what you mean by work for the company. Because if you include everyone that works in the factories and all this stuff, then yeah, then you get the numbers way the fuck up. Like, for example, in, in, in those cones, there's a box of cones on your table. Don't yep, yep, thank you. Those cones are rolled in Indonesia. At that, at one, there's probably 1,500 uh, people there working just rolling cones. And um, so you end up, so do you include those kind of numbers? You know, how do you, how do you, how, first, again, and, and, and don't mind my dumbness, but how do you find, like, the factory in Indonesia? Like, how do you, like, tomorrow, if I wanted to start, you know, a, a, a rolling paper company, I mean, obviously, you could ask a couple of people, like, but who the fuck knows, like, yo, like, people don't give that information out, like, no. I, you know what I mean? Like, did you fail to fucking succeed? Oh, okay, so the first rolling papers I launched totally fucking failed. Like, I, I've been doing this for a fucking while. I started launching my brands, probably, like, really doing them, really launching You mean a brands. name, like the name of the company? Yeah, I, I would, you know, like, different, I would try different rolling papers, like, making different papers, and I tried so many, because in the beginning, what I was doing completely wrong was I was making papers like what was already out there. Mm, mm. I would make something, I'd see something popular I thought was cool, and I would make something kind of in that genre. And you it was know, too that's close big in streetwear. Many people, I'll never forget when I was in retail, and there were certain brands out, that yeah. they, they, they were like independent brands, they used to call me and be like, hey, we're just like Diamond Supply. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I already have Diamond yeah, Supply. Yeah. Why the fuck would I want it? No. You know, or they're like, we're just like Stussy. Well, listen, <laughs> motherfucker, I already just, I got I'll, Stussy. Yeah, I'll just ride, get the real you know? shit. So, so that's what you want, found yourself doing? At the beginning, because I didn't know what I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing. 
So I ended up making that mistake that most people make, which is essentially you're replicating what's already out there. You're making things that are like things that are out there. And that was a huge mistake, and it never, that never brought me even close to success. That actually brought me into way into fucking failures. The times when it got roughest was like I got in deep shit in the 90s. I sold a bong to the daughter of the United States Customs Service, oh. special agent in charge for the Northern <laughs> District of Florida in Gainesville. I got in a fuckload of trouble for that. And they ran my ass out the, <laughs> the fuck out of Gainesville fucking Florida. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. That fucking sucked. What happened to the head shop? Yeah, from the head shop. She was 18. No, but, but what happened not, to the head shop? They closed oh, it Oh, they out? closed my store. It was fucking awful. I, it was fucking, fucking awful. I blocked most of it out because it was so fucking awful. But yeah, I was down. I was, it was just, it was shit. So I got, they used to hate us back then. Like nowadays people, you, you smoking, they say everyone's cool about it. I get on the plane. People know who I am. They come over and say hi. They talk to me. No, 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 no. That wasn't like that back then, man. They were, mm. You were the devil. You know, it's as a Brooklyn kid, I remember like where, Am- and I don't know what else, but I think Amsterdam to me was the first uh, place where you could go and smoke weed. Okay. That I know of. And I remember kids from like New York City, they used to like, it, it, it was a goal of theirs to get down there to ask a cop for a light. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. uh, you know, on their joint or yeah. whatever, or their blunt or whatever. Um, you know, that. Th- <laughs> I'm thinking of like how like like that was like a goal there to get down there. You, you you know, do you think like people understand like how like they try to shame weed back in the day? Like, do you think it's a terrible? Like, do you how, like do you think it's no? Mar- terrible? First of all, marijuana is an incredible fucking medicine. I, I was just uh, I just I was just taking fostering this adorable little fucking chihuahua. I know it's funny we're talking about chihuahua. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's old. Uh, there's a shelter in Phoenix, Arizona that I'm the, one of the primary Coco? sponsor of. No, Coco's my daughter. Okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, Chloe's my dog. And then this, Chloe, little, yeah. this little dog named Joey, sweet little fucking chihuahua mutt who had clearly been on some old lady's lap his whole life, just fall of love. But he has epilepsy and he needs fucking, he needs CBD. If you don't give him CBD, you have to give him phenobarbital. Phenobarbital turns Joey into like he's out of it. He's fallen down. He doesn't want to do anything. But you get get him off the phenobarbital. We put him on CBD, and he responds really well to it. And it's just in this one little fucking example that I just dealt with in the past two weeks. CBD was an incredible fucking medicine for him. And now you got the fucking people trying to ban CBD, trying to make it, it's it's just a fucking plant, and it's an incredible fucking medicine. It needs to be left the fuck alone. You know, you see Colorado get approved, right? You start seeing D.C., you start seeing a bunch of other places. In California. California. Government makes money. I mean, billions. Yeah. The tax dollars are insane yeah. of what they could do. Is it, do you think it's at a point where they're like, look, we don't want to, you know, and, and, and actually, let me tell you a quick story. It's, when I was 20 years old, they ransacked my car for a nickel bag of weed. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like threw us on the floor, cuffed us, pulled the fucking seats out. I mean, I, I mean, put the cuffs on so hard that my fucking arms couldn't. And you think about it, somebody right now is laying up a joint. It, 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 no when, when I got in trouble for selling that bong, they held my ass down to the floor with a machine gun on my fucking head, threatened to kill my Great Dane over a bong. Like this is what I'm telling you. I block a lot of the shit out because I, I can't. I don't want to remember any of it. But do you think? I don't know how much money you had at that time, but do you think if you had if you if you you would be where you are now, do you think you would be able to do more with money, or was just it was principal for them? It was principal for them. It was his daughter. Yeah. But I, I they I might have like yeah I guess he would say one of the things is I guess since that point in a way I've been waiting to I've been waiting for them to come back 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You're always waiting after you go through a situation like that. So you amass fuckloads of money. You got lawyers. You got everyone ready, 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 ready all the time. I always like to say, like, nowadays if they came at me, my fucking lawyers would file more briefs than a fucking underwear factory. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that I would. No, yo, I love what you said that more briefs. Yo, we got to give that to currency or two chains. Yeah, You're spitting bars, man. You're spitting bars. You got it. It's, it's, um, like at one point, the, uh, for example, in 2009, the FDA came at me claiming that my Juicy J's flavored papers that I also make mm. were illegal. And they said it based on opinion. It wasn't the law. They made it up. They pretended. And they, they made this huge fucking threat at me. Huge threat. So what do we do? Well, we turn around and drag their ass into fucking federal court. And they couldn't fucking believe it. Mm. They kept trying any which way. They, they, it was like shock. Like, this guy's going to fight back? Really? Mm. And it just kept going and going. They, um, if you've ever heard or dealt with the government, the, usually what happens is the fight turns into this. It's them trying to threaten, bully, and intimidate you. And you have the law and the facts on your side. And then when, when threatening, bullying, and intimidating you doesn't work, they threaten, intimidate, bully you even more. Sure. <laughs> and, and when that doesn't work, they do it even more. They yeah. added me to the government watch list. What? Yeah. So I'd try to cross the border. They'd drag me into a room and try to ask me questions about my business. And I was like, no. Like, no. I, I, I would literally be quoting John Quincy Adams at the customs guys and explaining to them how I wasn't going to answer their questions, why I wasn't going to answer their questions, and how they were going to send me through that fucking door over there. Mm. And they go, blah, 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 blah. Please give me a supervisor. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. I need to talk to your supervisor. Da, 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 da. Okay, that's great. I appreciate what you're saying. Now, please go get me your supervisor. Supervisor. Right. The supervisor would come out, and he'd be like, well, I'm like, listen, I'm not answering your questions. We can dance. We can hang out. But I'm not going to answer your questions, and you're going to send me through that door over there. I'm a U.S. citizen. You don't really have a choice. We can pretend. I get it. You can threaten me, but you're going to send me through that door. So we, what's the point of us even fucking fighting with each other? Just send me through the door, man. Mm. And after I'd be, I'd be looking at you like, what? You know, actually, I had fun with that. I started wearing ACLU T-shirts. Now, when you go through customs... Wearing an ACLU T-shirt, it's like you learn what it is like to be a chick with big boobs. Because everyone's staring at you. They're staring at your chest, and they're, they're trying not to get caught. So, like, you see the line of customers. They send me in the room, and then all the guys are pointing at me and whispering. And you see them, and every time I look at one of them, they all go away. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, I can't believe, who the fuck is that dude over there with the fucking ACLU shit on? Like, hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, I'm that guy who's not going to answer your questions. Yeah, remember me? Yep. See that door over there? You're going to send me through it. You don't really have a choice, but... That's cool. Like, damn. You know, if you, you have to fight back, I guess, as part of it. As part of that experiment, what I learned was confidence, understanding that when you're really right, you're really right. You plant your fucking feet and you stand up. Yeah, and you believe in it. You know, for people listening, um, you know, I want to, I want them to uh, at least get some from somebody who's really in, in, you know, in the trenches doing it. Um, What's your advice to like somebody who wants to? be an entrepreneur or wants to do some of the things that you have done. Not particularly maybe some of the same products, but what's your advice? Because entrepreneur is entrepreneur. All right. So what I always said to myself going through all this in the, um, in like when I, when I did my shit back in the early nineties was those old, remember the old lotto things used Mm -hmm. to be in the subway. Mm -hmm. You have to be in it to win it. Yep. I don't think they do that anymore, but that's what my mindset was. If you, you have to be in it to win it. You have, if you, sit around talking about it, thinking about it, blah, blah, blah. Most important thing is to actually just do, is to get forward and actually just find some fucking way. People are always hitting me up on my fucking Instagram and shit, tell me they want to work for me. And I try to tell them, you don't fucking want to work for me, man. You really just want to work for you. Mm. I, I suck. I'm a terrible fucking boss. I'll make you work so hard. No fucking way, man. Go, you'll never make as much money as you would if you worked for yourself. 
And there's always something that we could be making better. Like right now we're sitting here using these microphone covers. I'm sure. I am fucking positive that some dude out there can make a better fucking microphone cover than just a piece of black foam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably direct it. He can yeah. make it micro, antimicrobial. Aerodynamic. Yeah, washable. Yeah. Like, and that was, and then he should get Organic. Re- organic. Yeah, it could be fucking natural and shit. Yeah, come on. It could man. be biodegradable. There's so much shit we could do to this to make it better. And some dude should be doing that. And then he'll get rewarded with that made up thing called money. But if he thinks about it like, oh, I know how I'm going to make money. No, 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 no. Think about how you're actually going to be part of what money is supposed to be rewarding you for. Mm. And then you'll, it'll all come. It'll all be fine. Just add value, man. Make things better for all of us. Make the world a better place. Mm. It'll work out for you. It'll be fine. That's at least it was for me. I like that. You know, be, uh, before we go to a break, um, I want to make sure I didn't have, uh, have a brain fart and lose my mind. When we spoke about... Uh, that you have the factory, right? Where, where was that? Indonesia, you said? Or? Well, the cones, the cones. Are, are hand-rolled in Indonesia. Now, now, how did, like, like I said, who who told you, like, go to, like, build a factory over there or find people, like, how do you find that? Because that's not like, you know, somebody, like, just saying, oh, yo, I got this place for you, it's in Indonesia. Like, well, okay, the thing about Indonesia is uh, all the clove cigarettes come from there, the real clove cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And their the oldest clove cigarettes, the best ones, are slightly conical. So they already have an experience there. They have many, um, you have a mentality of being able to use um, simple tools to hand roll cigarettes, which is the same kind of thing as using simple tools to hand roll a cone. Mm. It isn't so different. So logically, it all makes sense. It just happens to be the the best place to do it. At the moment, cones cannot be made um, well by machine. They have to be rolled, especially on some of the trickier ones like the lean cones. It's just so it's each too hard. each each roar is is hand rolled. All those cones are hand rolled, but they're not hand rolled like someone's sitting there rolling it like like you and I would roll. Yeah, it's more of an assembly line where one person's rolling up tips, and then there's these simple tools that you use to roll paper That's around. That's fucking amazing, shit. bro. Yeah, yo, we need to go there and just like bring them like fucking Dunkachinos. Like every, <laughs> every one of motherfuckers bring them a slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah. We go down there and say, you know what? We walk through that whole assembly line, Josh, me and you, and just be like, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. And thank you, man, because it's 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 incredible, man. It's, no, and it's not a bad place. It's not like some Chinese hell factory. These things, mm. it's actually it's very nice. It's air conditioned. Everything is everyone's happy. The whole goal is you got to have people around you and people who work for you that actually enjoy what they're doing, mm. even if you're doing something as simple as rolling cones. Like, okay, well, how can we make your life better? How can we make this like the best fucking factory in the whole area? Make mm. everybody in there never want to leave. And you figure that out, and you make all those people happy. Mm. Outside of charity, what do you like to spend your money on? Hmm. Outside I want to hear the dumbest shit you spent your money on, and then maybe some of the proudest shit. Okay, the dumbest shit I spent my money on is my vegan Ferrari. <laughs> First of all, you know the question I'm going to give you. What the fuck is, is a, a vegan, vegan Ferrari? Ferrari? I made them custom build a Ferrari with no leather in it and no animal-based glues. Mm. We even had to spec different tires to make because the tire they were going to use had animal products in it. Mm. So it's a vegan fucking Ferrari. It's beautiful. That's fucking dope. Yeah, I know. Hey, listen, on that fucking note, we're going to go to break. Internets, okay? We're sitting here with the one and only, okay? You know about Raw. Raw rolling papers, man. You, you're using it and, and, and smoking it and, and, and the products. When we come back, we're going to talk about the products. I love the products, man, like the skateboards, the socks. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the merch, man, really just doing it different, man, doing it different. Listen, the one and only Josh Kesselman is here, the founder of Raw Rolling Papers. You listen to the Premium Pete Show. We'll be right back. Cheer. What's good, Internet? This is Hawaii Mike from Chef for Hire, and you are checking out the Premium Pete Show. Internet, and we're back, sitting here with Josh Kesselman, the founder of Raw 
rolling papers. More, I mean, I, I, it's more than just. I hate when somebody tries to just say one thing, and I, I guess I'm saying I'm hating myself because <laughs> you've done so many things. Yeah, you know, right? Okay, founder, raw rolling papers. But what else? Right now, I'm sure you you got Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got a shitload of things. But also, but before I did raw, I did like ten other brands of rolling papers. Yeah. You know, it, you were saying before it didn't. Yeah. it didn't. It didn't really. But it helped you. But some you, of them worked. Really? Yeah, but none of them. Like I, I make Elements, Juicy J's. Okay, these are all good, really good fucking brands. It's just it all. You know, like that's the thing is like, all right, how do you make raw? How do you get the idea for all? I had the idea long before, but how do you actually get to the level of being able to make it? You were asking the question earlier, like, how do you find someone to make cone? How do you find this? How do you find that? It isn't like that. You don't find it all at once. I started off with just selling other people's shit at first, other mm. people's papers, then bringing in these cool papers from Europe that you couldn't get here. And that led me into realizing I needed to make my own papers. And I tried many times making different brands that really didn't work mm. at all. Mm. Total fucking mm. failures. Mm. And, and, and you, stayed, you stayed focused? Like you didn't be yeah. like, fuck this fucking shit. I right? couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong, but I could realize after the fact, when I'd be like, oh, they don't, like, it wasn't connecting right. It wasn't until I really stopped trying to be something I wasn't mm. until I started to realize. Like Elements, this is a beautiful rice paper. That was reconnecting with the papers of old. I was trying to bring back my dad's favorite paper, essentially, mm-hmm. and just make it again. It's amazing how much impact a, a father has on Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yep. You know, what makes raw rolling paper so good? Like, what, what makes it? All right, so the goal with raw rolling papers is to make, and you, you have to have an eye for history and an actual understanding of paper at a very deep level to understand what I'm trying to pull off here. I'm trying to make the best rolling paper that has ever been made and ever will be made. I'm trying to, like, triple next level it so that I end up with a statue in Alcoy. Mm. Um, <laughs> this is a thing. We, we big have like, Josh. Well, the Big Josh, because they're, they're, the, the big paper men, the guys who have been, done big things in the past in Alcoy, are re- revered there, revered. Um, the man who originally made bamboo in 1908, Rafael Santoy Abad, they, um, like his name is spoke in a very positive way. You know, he's revered. You, you want to get to that level. So my goal has been to make it as good as it realistically can possibly be today with, mm. any, with the technology and all the stuff that we have, whether I'm making – and you're doing it with the simplest ingredients in the world. So to make it better doesn't mean chemicalize the fucking shit. It means do the other way. How can I make it actually taste better? How can I make you or help you enjoy it more, right? How can I make it burn better? All these things. We're just constantly trying to make it better. There's always some improvement that could be done. Mm. But if, you th- if I'm looking at it that way, like if I'm smoking with you, I'm staring at you deeply. I'm looking at your ember. I'm looking at the way you're holding it. I'm looking at the way you're lighting it. Mm. I'm looking at the way you rolled it. Mm. I'm really trying to take it all in so that I can understand, like, oh, he does it that way. Oh, he does that. Oh, oh. And I look at it and think, how can I make that a little better for you or easier? Mm. How can I improve that? How I'm going to fly. Yeah, I got to do it the whole time. Like, and if we're, having, if, I'm, if we're having a session just talking, sure, maybe I won't be that focused. But most of the time I'm that focused, just looking at you. And people will be like, what the fuck are you looking at? Because I get this weird look, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm like, like you know, your eyes go back. And you're like, I wonder how I could fix that. And they're like, oh, you're thinking about work? I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I watched you roll up that tip and it took you fucking two minutes to roll up a fucking tip. How can I make that faster? I mean, you, sure, you can get pre-rolled tips, but they're not as portable. I understand that. So I just watched you roll that tip. What can I do to make that better for you? And then I end up with perforations or I end mm. up changing the way the tip is or some little thing about it to make it faster for you in that mm. one step. And it's constant. Just before I came here to New York, I grabbed my whole, my whole team and brought them into a room because I finally realized another problem we had to solve, 
a problem that every smoker who smokes at night in their room mm. has. And none of us really want to talk about it, especially if you have a woman in your life. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I dragged all my guys in there, and all of the guys were like, yeah, oh, yeah, we got to fucking fix that. Oh, yeah, we got to make that better. And we've realized a simple way. It's going to be funny looking. So you're very hands-on. Oh, very, 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 very. And we realized how are we going to solve the problem? So it's a new invention. It'll come out probably in a year. And it's not a crazy invention. It's the simplest shit in the fucking world. But it's going to improve the process. It's something that I need. And, if you, and most of us actually all in this room, we fucking need it. We all need this simple little fucking thing just to make it a little better. And when it comes out, you guys will be laughing because you'll know exactly what the fuck it is. And you'll be like, that's fucking funny. Like, yeah, we actually do need that, and it's dumb, but mm. we all need it. <laughs> you have any investors? No. No? All, all by yourself? Yeah. And, and, and is, throughout the time, I'm sure there's tons of people who didn't believe in you. Oh, fuck yeah. Probably did not believe in, 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 in your ideas, you know? No, my favorite was my girlfriend in college. Okay. Because she broke up with me because she couldn't believe that I wanted to, like, basically, you were kind of quasi-drop out of school. I didn't. I finished that. I ended up getting the You're degree. You're a loser. Right. What, are you going to be some fucking hippie with a head shop? That's what you want to be? Blah, 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 blah. And she fucking left my ass. Yeah. And that was my favorite one, because that was, like, the true thing. Of, like, you ever try to get it back? No, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you know, you know, <laughs> you, you know, one thing that I really want to ask you, you... You can obviously say you're rich. Can you find real love when you're rich? Can you find real friends when you're rich? Yes, you can. Now, with friends, the only difficult thing is I get it wrong a lot. I think someone's really my friend, and it turns out they they wanted something from me. I mm. run into that Altaria a lot. motive. Yeah, but you, it just it's heartbreaking sometimes because there'll be a dude, like uh, dudes that I hang out with for a while, and I really think that they're a friend. So, like, I'm trying to hook them up. I'll be shouting them out on social media. I'll be fucking trying to add them to things to try to help them out as a friend does. Hit them up for advice. They hit me up for advice. It's, it's like a friendship, you think. And then suddenly one day when I don't know what happens, they will decide that I somehow, they, they, it drops. And it turns out they wanted something from me the whole time and I didn't know it. And it was, I want something from them. I want their fucking friendship. Yeah. I want their advice. I want, like, camaraderie. And it turned out they wanted something else. And that's happened to me a couple times. And it, truly, I'm not fucking with you. It breaks my fucking heart. I'm sure. And I'm just going to say how... I, it's funny you say that because I was going to say, like, how fucked up is that? Do you ever think, like, maybe, like, damn, I like being successful. Damn, I like having money. Yeah. But, damn, I wish I didn't have this fucking... This game to play. Because you do have a game to play, you honestly. Do. Right. So, you, what, what you end up doing is you end up with strange bedfellows. Right? So, who is actually going to be my friend? What's the situation? Who am I going to actually be able to hang the fuck out with that doesn't actually want something from me? Well, it's either someone who's more successful than me or someone who's a complete oddball on the outside kind of thing who really doesn't give a fuck about money. Like my friend in Phoenix, Arizona, Chiante. He don't give a fucking rat's ass. And so he's my friend. He's really my fucking friend. Like, genuinely. Mm. You know? Mm. He won't take shit from me if I tried. He wants to go for some vegan pizza, just hang out, <laughs> yeah. bullshit. He's vegan too. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got vegan pizza and bullshit. He's, um, he's a, go off on a tangent, because he's a good dude. He's the kind of guy that decided that he was not going to have, he, he, he didn't want the trappings of life. He always wants to make just enough money to get by, and he's happy. Mm. And that's all he wants. He's really fucking happy. 
that, 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 that it, to me, it's funny because it's like growing up in New York. It's like you think materialistic things, all the gold, the glitter, and 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 you get the wrong amount of what success is. You know, even to this day and age, like I love social media. Yeah, and, and you know, but but you know, and and it has its you know over ego driven you know crazy type of style of of it. But I love that I'm able to connect and have casual conversations with people that I really admire. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, and, and and social media is amazing for that. But at the same time, it's kind of fucked up. You know, and yeah. when you think about it, because it's like, you know, like it it, it, it really, <laughs> it really is just like, you know, people sometimes just phony, man, just pho- phony people and, and, and people really don't care. And, and uh, I, I don't know, man, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a tangent about that. But uh, listen, uh, is Royal Rolling Papers patenting? We've had some patents. It don't matter. They don't? They, they copy it anyway. These, the, the my key competitors are literally multi billion dollar corporations. Yeah. So their yeah. attitude is, "Fuck you, sue me." You ever meet them? You ever meet any? Yeah. Of them? And and, and I'm, what are they? They're suit cool? wearing dudes. No, not at all. They wear fucking. They're they are so straight laced. They're, they're fucking stiffs. Right. They're, What's the matter with these guys? They're they're just not. Uh, they're not our kind of guys, you know what I mean? They're just, they're just Josh, not. Josh, you're awesome, man. Yeah, just telling you the truth. They're, these guys are can out Excel spreadsheet me any day of the week, man. Yeah. They are so good at crunching numbers and cutting corners and getting their costs way, 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 way the fuck down. They can beat me at that shit all day. But the thing is, I still make a billion times better rolling paper than they ever will. Because mm-hmm. if you don't look at it that way, it isn't like, oh, how can I make this cheaper? It's really got to be about like, all right, I'll put it to you this way. The reason why. You, I'm sitting here with you. The reason why you guys like me is I walk into the room and everyone's happy to fucking see me is because you like the shit that I make. You enjoy smoking it. Mm-hmm. I made it better. I really did make it, and I elevated the experience for millions of people around sure, the fucking sure. world. And that's the reason why. And if I cut corners, if I fucking found ways to reduce costs by blah, 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 it wouldn't be like that. Because mm. would, you, would, you couldn't tell. Even if your conscious brain can't quite tell... Your subconscious brain can tell that something ain't right. We've been smoking since before we were fucking us, right? Sure, sure. So you know what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to just be a bunch of fucking plants in there. Mm. That's all it's really supposed to be. You're not supposed to have these fucking crazy-ass additives. You know, we didn't smoke fucking calcium carbonate when we were fucking, you know, tribal. We just didn't. We smoked plants. That's all we fucking smoked. In, 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 in the uh, industry of rolling papers, where do, you, where do you think you rank? Like, meaning, like, and I mean, I say, where do you think you rank? Where do you rank? Like, meaning, like, are you number two? Are you number three? Uh, you know. All right. To be honest, yeah, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> and who gives we a really fuck, don't. Right? I don't give a fuck. We sell a lot of paper. It's great, but it's, <laughs> there are all these statistics you can get, and you can pay for all these stones and kind of blah blah. We don't do any of that. It doesn't matter. Like my raw black paper, which I really love. It's this really, really, really thin fucking paper that I put out. I'm sold the fuck out. I can't make enough of it. It don't fucking matter. I don't need to know how much of it, how much of it's going out there. I can't make enough. The cones, I am back the fuck up ordered. I cannot make enough fucking cones at all. So like it doesn't, I don't care. I'm selling, I'm selling more than enough. You know, if I keep selling these kind of numbers for the rest of my life, fuck, it's fucking insane. Yet the numbers keep going up, which is wonderful. But it's just, we're doing great. It don't matter. Mm. What matters the most is, should I be selling more? Can I? Okay, let's get, let's get caught up first. And then, I get hit up from countries, but you, your shit ain't even really here. Or st- we barely have any, I, I'm in Minnesota and I can't find your shit at any store. That bums me out. Because mm-hmm. then the dude's going to go buy some bullshit. I got some back pieces and shit. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to go, 
Pete, we have to take a picture. Please. Okay. Oh, there we go. Hold on. So you haven't met uh, Josh? No, I haven't. He's, uh, that, that's Just Blaze. You ever heard of Just Blaze? Pleasure to meet you. DJ, <laughs> producer. He's the founder of uh, Raw Rolling Papers, right? Did you ever see that? Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, man. No, uh, one second. Let me just... No problem. Internet, sorry about that. Just Blaze uh, had to come get me because uh, we took a picture for the uh, Combat Jack Show spaceship photo. Um, listen... We spoke about, uh, where, where were we? What were we talking about? See, that's what happens. Yo, have you ever been smoked the fuck out, bro? What do you think, man? No, I mean, like, what's your craziest smoke the fuck out? Like, where you, you couldn't move? Yeah, I've been in situations where I'm fucking jello. Yeah. <laughs> let's get back, Internet. Let's get back. What made you choose the name Raw? Ah, uh, for me, it was part of life. Like, Big Daddy Kane songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And ODB. Mm. But even, but even, but it was really, really Big Daddy King where it got stuck in my head. I get raw, you mm. know what I mean? Mm. It's, um, yeah, yeah, you know the fuck it's it. Yeah. So just growing up here, these kinds of like it had a different meaning to me. Like raw, it's more of a feeling. It's an emotion, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. And I always liked how they said, "I'm going to give it to you raw." Mm. Where that's kind of like the way I want to be with the papers. I want to give it to you raw. I want you to feel it. So that's really where it comes from. Mm. It just comes from trying. It's an emotional name. You're right. I didn't think about it. It has so many different, like, it could be raw where it could be, like, where it's, like, raw and healthy or, or raw, and, raw and, like, uncut. You know what yeah. I mean? And it could be raw, like, and like almost like the word deaf, like, where it's, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, deaf is a good word. You know, and, and uh, yeah, you know, it's, like, it's funny because because of a name like that, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're able to like merch is dope like who wouldn't want to buy something that says raw you know <laughs> yeah yeah pretty dope i've seen skateboards um what, what other like do you, do you guys sell merch like a lot like well, I, ma- I do make a lot of merch but mo- a lot of it's made for fun mm-hmm. like, like one um, and nuns well one and nuns but it's not just for one and nuns. it's also like all right i skate right my mm-hmm. friends fucking skate so i'm gonna want to make fucking skateboards and then once i start making skateboards then like everything else i start next leveling it so you sit around, and I have these moments with my friends where we're sitting around smoking, and then it'll be like, you have that moment, which I'm sure you guys have had, which is, you know what would be really cool? Mm. And like the thing that comes out of somebody's mouth next is sometimes fucking genius. Mm. It's fucking awesome. And we write it down, and then if it can be done, we do it. For example, we're sitting around with a bunch of skaters smoking, half laughing, ha and it's night, and some one of us had the idea, I can't remember who it was, it might have been me, I don't remember, of, you know what would be really cool? Imagine going down the road on a flaming cone. Mm. And I'm like, that'd be really fucking cool. <laughs> and eight months later, I end up with a cone board, where it's a skateboard, a, a big old long board that looks like as you go down the road, you're skating down the road on a flaming fucking cone. Mm. Flaming mm. fucking raw cone. Mm. So a lot of it is shit like that, where it's just fucking funny. This scarf that I'm wearing. Raw thing, scarf. Raw yeah. scarf. This thing is simply because I wanted a fucking badass fucking raw scarf. Mm, mm. I just wanted it. And you're repping your brand. I love fucking scarves. So, I, and with everything else, is always a fucking story. Well, I went to go make silk scarves, and I learned real fast that silk ain't vegan. They steam the worms alive. Mm. And I'm like, yo, I'm not going to fucking support that. I can't do that. So we ended up finding another softer material. I like using natural materials. So we made it out of double combed cotton. It's a fancy word for cotton. They take it and comb all the impurities out, and you're left with nothing but long fibers. They're softer, and this fucking shit's washable, and it's fucking vegan. Mm, mm. So you end up with this fucking badass, flowy-ass scarf, which no one even realizes what I'm really doing here is, again, bringing back the old. This is fucking David Lee Roth fucking floating around with the scarf. You know what I mean? You, you've been... You're a rock star. Yeah. You've been vegan for 16, 16 years. Yeah. Why? 
I, I mean, mean, I know it's I know I know it's a great thing to do. First of all, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe it's not, but for me, like even like you know, every day I try to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Every day I try to be more healthier. Like you know, I may I may eat bad one day, eat good one day, but I'm getting there, and it's a balance. How have you been able to eat vegan for 16 years? Not uh, uh, live a lifestyle of yeah. vegan. Well, it's um, it really comes down to love. It really does. So this is what I was talking about earlier was when I was, on a, I was on a vegan charity and I learned real fast, we did this study and we learned why people had become vegan and whether or not they would remain vegan. And we learned that the people who did it for health fell off the majority of the time. The people who did it for animal rights stayed on about half the time. And the people who truly empathetically felt the animals, they connected with them. They see a cow and they don't just see a cow. They see a living, breathing creature. They see its eyes. They feel it. Those people became, would stay vegan more than 80% of the time. And that's really what it's like. Once you get that connection, once you have that experience, that emotional connection, you see an animal and you don't just see it. You actually see sure, sure. it deeply. You're kind of fucked, man. I mean, you, you can't, it's, you're going to feel like shit about yourself if you then go and kill that thing and eat it or pay someone else to kill it and eat it which is, or kill it for you, which is even worse, really. How hard is it for vegans to deal with that most of the world doesn't really care about that? It's tough. It's, uh, it's disheartening. It really makes you sad a lot of times. You have to find ways to get around that and just smile anyway because it does drive you crazy. What makes you happy? Hmm. I mean, <sighs> it used to be I had a simple thing, which was when I woke up in the morning, I would think to myself, is the world a better place because I'm here, Right. And if I could answer that question positively, yes, then I'd be like, okay, that's cool. And then it turned into, from there, it was like, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten millions of people around the fucking world to enjoy their smoke a little bit fucking more. That's fucking more than anyone else I personally fucking know. That's amazing. I uplifted the whole fucking world. It's like mm. so many fucking people. And that started making me feel good about myself and make me a little happy. And then when I started doing the foundation stuff where we started, um, the foundation is, is really just a euphemism. You know, it's like trying to build a new foundation for the world. You're trying to really change things. And when I started doing that stuff, when we started really, truly, directly impacting and saving fucking lives, then you start fucking smiling all the time. You're like, you know what? Fuck it. Ain't no one else I know has done this shit anymore. I save more lives than anyone I've ever personally fucking met. This is fucking amazing. If I can't enjoy this shit, if I can't um, enjoy my life with doing these kinds of things, then it's not possible to enjoy my life. So you just start smiling more. And you start being good to people around you. You start just being happy. Mm. It, it just comes all as one, one piece, which is, in the end, it's fucking love, man, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you learn that happiness is not uh, something that's forever. Um, you know, you, you know it's, 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 it's a balance. Yeah, you have bad days, people, of course. People need to find a balance and be comfortable with a balance and not, you know, you know what I learned too? We as people, we react way, like way yeah, too much. And then we're like, oh shit, like if we realize like it actually wasn't even that bad. Right. So it's like you get yourself all worked up and stressed out and, 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 and probably handle yourself or, or, or stress other people out and, and, 
you know, and, and it ain't even that bad. And, and, and I always hate to say this. I feel like it's so cliche, but it's like, you know, there's always somebody who has it worse, man. And it's like, oh, yeah. we're over here complaining about something. And meanwhile, somebody has no feet. You know, people have said that before. Like, people complain about they don't have certain sneakers. Some people complain they don't have feet. Okay, do you know what fistula is? Mm, no, no. All right, this is something that in, it's largely in Africa, especially in, in certain um, areas, where, um, especially in certain religious sects, they will wed the children out at like 12 years old, and some guy will have sex with her, and then she has a baby. And what happens is the vaginal area tears, and you end up with literally where you poo and where your vagina is connects. The skin there tears. And you end up with a disease called fistula, where your poog is going into your vagina. It's fucking horrible. It's incredibly painful. It's deadly. It's a horrific way to fucking die. And I've seen it. We've worked on stopping it. Whenever we do a well in a village, we have certain I don't know, guidelines that we give them, which is all about health. They have to commit to. Some of it is stuff like no female genital mutilation. And it's okay. If, you don't, if you don't, they don't want to commit to all these things, it's fine. But I ain't putting my fucking well there. No. You have to do this for the good of your people. And you talk to them about it. How many people have died from female genital mutilation in your, in your tribe? Well, this many people. Okay. If you hadn't done it, would they still be alive? Yes. So do you understand why as part of cleanliness, as part of this, as part of this well, which is to benefit everybody, you can't do that anymore because then why are we going to save lives if you're going to kill them? Yes, we understand. Okay. You understand from a health benefit. Remove the religion from it. Cool. They agree to that. Talking about fistula. How did that happen? How can it be prevented? Ah, if she doesn't get pregnant until she's 16, she doesn't get fistula. Is that better? Yes. Okay. So you're just teaching them basic things, how to live a better life as part of the well. It isn't just here's a well and you leave. It's part of a program. So you do what you can to stop it. Now, the reason I brought up fistula is for one reason, which is you, as a woman, she can ask herself, if you're having a bad day here in America, yeah, do you have fucking fistula? Mm. No? You're doing fucking fine. Everything's okay, motherfucker. Trust me. Because mm. fistula fucking sucks. So when you're saying someone has it worse, oh, yeah. Some people out there have it a billion times worse. And if you, just, if you see it or if you truly at least accept and understand it, you don't have to go there and see it. Just accept and understand it. It makes you feel a lot better about where you're at right now because it ain't that bad compared to that. How can people get involved with the uh, foundations and everything you do? Is it, uh, is it a team you have? Or? Yeah, what we do is we, okay, you know, everything is about doing it like right and not wasting, right? Back when, um, when I started doing all this, my goal was that I didn't want my money going to some fat white dude in New York, mm. smoking a cigar mm. and laughing at me. So what we do is we don't actually accept any outside donations. Mm. We donate. So when people want to help, we direct them to um, our, our partners, uh, the main one is um, Wine to Water. It's a mm -hmm. great organization out of Boone, North Carolina. These are amazing fucking dudes. And they come to some of the, like, the cups with us to raise money for, um, for the wells or for their own projects. And whenever someone wants to volunteer or do anything like that, we push them into Wine to Water. We're at the foundation site, rawfoundation.com, we run charity auctions where all of the proceeds, not the fucking profits... The proceeds, like every penny you spend, goes through PayPal immediately to Wine to Water. I don't even get any of the fucking money. And then we just send you the shit for free. And we just lose the money. It's fine. But this way, it tries to bring people in. See, I'm only one fucking dude. I can only do so fucking much. But if I can inspire thousands of people to fucking join me and actually do it too, then we can have a huge fucking impact and effect change. You know what I mean? 
Like, shit's fucked up. We all know shit's fucked up. We got a fucking orange baby in the fucking White House. But how do you really make a change? Well, you make change by doing something, by just helping a little bit, giving back on any which way you can. And we together, especially, and I have this fucking theory, and forgive me for this, I think that smokers are more empathetic because smoking is really of opening of your conscious, right? Whereas when you drink, it actually closes it. It's the other way. That's why people get confidence and go to stupid shit when they're drunk, finally get sure. go talk to the girl, even though you can't fucking talk anymore because you're drunk. But when, you, when you're smoked, when you smoke, it opens you differently. And now when you see the girl, you think about her differently. Maybe you can actually feel her more and understand her more. Mm. And you have probably a better chance of actually being able to go there and talk to her. It's a different way of thinking. So I think that smokers are the answer to the world's problems. Sure. Do you think uh, if they legalize, say, uh, weed all over the place, do you think that will uh, help or hurt the community? No, it would make the world a much better place. Yeah. Much better. I think with all the people that are suffering just from the fucking criminality of it and have records and can't do things or are incarcerated. But can you think of how crazy that right now somewhere, say, Colorado, L.A., Mm -hmm. D.C., you could do that. But then somewhere else... You get locked up. Does that make yeah. any sense? No. Like, it, uh, it's, this is old, this is, um. We don't evolve. We do, but it, we're, t- we're so fucking slow to evolve. And then we'll go forward, and then we end up with a bunch of fucking tiki torch fucking dumbasses bringing us back. And then we, which causes us eventually to go forward even more. I get it. It's just fucking the pendulum thing. But it, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. We can just go forward, you yeah. know? Who's some of the favorite uh, people you smoked with? Hmm. Well, Wiz. I really like hanging out with him, with Currency, all these kind of guys. Uh, can you hang with him? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Be Real. He's a fucking badass Burner. motherfucker. Burn. Burn is a badass motherfucker, too. Uh, I really, I've had some really good experiences. Um, Anybody that you haven't smoked with that you like to smoke with? Hmm. Smoked with Method Man and Red Man. I mean, makes sense. <laughs> Shouts to Reggie Noble. <laughs> yeah. So, give me a sec. Yeah, I mean, realistically, of course, Barack fucking Obama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick. That would be fucking nice. We could have a real nice motherfucking conversation. That would be sick. Yeah. Who are some of your influences in business? Like, who has been, you know, over the years? I'm sure maybe they change or maybe, you know. It's changed because, you okay. The thing is about influence. Like, even if I'm influencing someone, they don't actually know me. So you, we kind of have this thing of idolizing people. And I used to do the same thing. I used to idolize, like, a guy, a, a rolling paper magnet, a dude who's a gazillionaire, billionaire dude. And I used to idolize, wow, he did so great off rolling papers and all this stuff. And then I got to know him more. And, yeah, no. Mm. It just, it's the opposite now. Now it's, um, now I'm like, oh, I would never want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, funny they say like uh, never meet your idols. Yeah, yeah, because of that isn't very that fucking, same fucking problem. Isn't that fucking crazy? It's true. It's really fucking true. But you know, you know, they say that, but then it's only because it's not always that way. I had a dude who who met me and I brought him through a whole tour of the warehouse, and he said that same thing to me. He goes, you know, they say never meet your fucking idols, but I'm so fucking glad I met you. You're exactly the same in real life as you are in fucking social media and everything else. Yeah. Like, well, I'm a little toned down in real life, but, but, but yeah, hell yeah. How's your relationship with uh, Devin the dude? He's a good fucking dude. Yeah. Yeah, he inspired me. Like, the thing is, hanging out with these people, these are kind of dudes I can hang out with. Like, I can hang out with fucking Devin. And Devin inspired me to make a fucking product. Mm. A lot of times it's like that. 
I was backstage with Devin at a show in Phoenix, Arizona, and I, we walk in, and I'd already given Devin a whole bunch of stuff, and yet there he is. He's, they're rolling up on the pant leg, rolling up on the arm of the chair, rolling up on the edge of the stage. And I'm like, Dev, why don't you, what the fuck, man? Why aren't you bringing in a, like, why aren't you rolling up my trays? And he's like, I can't walk into this show with a giant raw tray. Everyone would be laughing at me. Back then, it was no smoking as a, you know, no, yeah, quote, yeah, unquote, no smoking. Yeah. Everyone's going to smoke, but fine, no smoking. Sure. He's like, I can't walk in with a fucking raw tray. So that's when I realized I had to make a portable rolling tray. And I made something called the Artisano, which is basically a pack with a built-in rolling tray that snaps together as soon as you open it. That's all based on experience. All the things we have here, all, the, all these different products that we have is either going to be based on something I wanted, a friend wanted, mm. or just experience of realizing, oh, people need that. Mm. Mm. And it's important. You know, as we wind this episode down, um, your favorite smoking device that you ever created? Raw one and a quarter. That's mm. the first one and the mm. best one. Mm. After that, just a fun one is my favorite one is the loader. Because I can load a cone in 15 fucking seconds, and it's so stupid. It's a great invention, but it's such a simple fucking thing that I really like it. I like it when, when you make something, I make something and it's not complicated, that it's actually fucking simple as fuck. Nobody thought of it, but it's simple as fuck, and it just solves the problem. And then you're, oh, done. We can make it like this? Cool. Done. You mm, know? Mm, mm. Any regrets? All these years, all these different oh, things. Oh, God, that's a fucking from. Frank Sinatra song, man. Any regrets? <laughs> of course. I, if I could go back, I'd do a billion things differently, man. But then, of course, I'd end up, you know, the butterfly effect. We'd all end yep. up in a nuclear holocaust or something fucked up. Or one of those Homer Simpson episodes where he changes one little fucking thing. I don't think it'd be donuts raining. It'd be something else. What's next for Raw, Rolling Papers? What's next for Josh Kesselman? Like, what's next? It's really just more of the same. mm like, in the past few weeks, I've launched so much shit. If you might have seen it on social, I have to calm down and not launch so much shit. I just, I'm kind of in a race with myself. Mm. And I, I do want to calm down a little bit, take some time back, and make, um, and launch bigger, really even cooler things. Mm. I don't want to change what I'm doing, though. Like, some people want to get out. They want to, people sure, used to ask me sure. what my exit strategy was for, like, I'd sitting around with accountants and lawyers and shit. Hey, what's your exit strategy? I'd look at them and I'd say, Death. <laughs> what's yours <laughs> you know that's, that's it Josh, I'm gonna do this till I die fuck hey, it I'm really happy that, that shows pure passion um, yeah. being that you're such a, an entrepreneur being that you're such a, a successful dude and, and just have a great mindset uh, for the internet's listening what's, what's some books do you read books not much anymore I used to okay, what, what did you used to read my friend Robert Greene He's written some amazing fucking books. 48 Laws of Power? Yeah. The Laws of Seduction, everything. Laws of Seduction, really, yeah. It's, um, he's, he, uh, I like are you friends with him, really? Yeah, friendly. <laughs> we, okay. We've hung, out, we've hung the fuck out. Smoked? Forget about it. <laughs> we can't talk about that. About but, he, but people like that, it's just his, like, th- those were books I liked them because they're, I like them because they're a history lesson. You know what I mean? It's, and I like that it's trying to show people this has all happened before mm. and it will all happen again. Mm. Great men have come before us. When are you writing a book? That, you know, everyone always fucking asks me that. My problem is a lot of hold my hold stories hold are untellable. Let me, put, let me put this out for you. Yeah. You write a book, okay? Yeah. There's got to be some that are tellable. You write a book. You're an interesting guy. People want to know the source. We spoke about that, yeah. right? Your, let me tell you something. Your book tour would be fucking amazing. That would be fun. That would be fucking fun. Roll them up. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, what, what about movies? Any favorite movies? Hmm. Oh, God. Fuck. I'm forgetting it for a fucking second, but I fucking love that fucking shit. 
Oh, a vanishing point. <laughs> that was a fucking badass fucking movie. Mm. Sorry. I like some of the older shit. No, nah, so cool. Shit. So cool. What about um, as, as, as we wind on down, daily practices? Any daily practices? Like, what's your... Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Do you sleep at all? Yeah, I sleep like fucking crazy. Like, my daily, my favorite daily practice, my secret, one of those fucking things, uh, what do you call them? Uh, dirty secrets? No, is a um, term for it. It's napping. Mm. Power naps? I fucking love power naps, man. In the afternoon. Mm. I fucking, I, I, in my office in Phoenix, when we, when we built a new place, I built in a little quiet room with sound isolated walls and shit and a little bed with fucking Batman sheets. Mm. <laughs> and I fucking, I go nap the fuck out in there. What are you the going, underoos in there <laughs> No, it was my friend set it up for me as a joke with the fucking Batman sheets and I just left them because it's so fucking funny. Mm. Every time I walk in there, it just makes me laugh. Mm. You have any kids? Yeah, I got a daughter named Coco Bella. Oh, nice. How old is she? She just turned 13 fucking teen. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. It's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And without no seatbelt. So <laughs> I want you to hold on, my friend. My daughter's 18. Oh. And I tell you, it's beautiful. They, 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 they you, know, they, you know what kids do, man? No. They fucking, they make you look at life from a different lens. Yeah. They make you more open-minded. And the cool thing is, like, you must be a great dad, not because he's successful, because you have a heart of gold. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is you, 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 just your care for animals, your care for human beings, and, 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 and that's inspiring. That's why we reached out to you because – have you ever told you a story like this? Not really like this. Not this long. I've done some video things where I try to explain it in nutshells. You're trying really hard to cut it back it's, it, or to cut it into tellable units. You know, how the fuck do you tell a fucking such a – I, I, as I explained, I could sit here all fucking day. There's so much more I could tell you, and I can't tell it to you now. Yeah. Well, when you got something else going on, or we, we, we come on back, you know, this yeah. is not uh, uh, in and out. We're gonna we're gonna stay connected for sure. People can find you on Instagram at like my personal Instagram is Rock and Roll R A W K A N D R O L L. Okay. Our brand one is Raw Life Two Four Seven. Now is that on Twitter? Are you on Twitter also? Nope. Do I don't fucking tweet. In fact, right. I got my Twitter. Especially I'm after the what's that guy's name on Twitter? Uh, uh, Jeff, what's his name? Or, or God, I forgot his fucking name, man. I don't know, man. I'm surprised. Like he just reminded me of somebody that you that you would be cool with. I don't know him. Lastly, who's <laughs> who's somebody you met through this shit, through this journey that you like? Holy shit! Like, like this is fucking weird. You know, like meaning like you found yourself in a room with fucking. Well, like the, I have lots of those experiences. Even when we're talking earlier. Be real. I'm sitting here with Be Real. Like yeah, looking yeah. at him, I can't believe I'm fucking sitting here with fucking Be Real. Yeah. Growing up with his fucking songs in my fucking head. Cypress Hill. Man. All those dudes. When you meet the fucking when you meet the Wu Tang Clan, you're just like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. I'm here with the fucking Wu Tang Clan. I remember when I went to your concert and they flipped the fucking car out in front and lit the bitch on fire. Mm. And I'm fucking sitting here and sitting smoking with you guys, hanging mm. the fuck out. That kind of shit is amazing to me. It just makes me laugh. Like, even funny dudes like Ron Jeremy. Mm. You're just like, I can't fucking believe I'm fucking hanging out with Ron, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy fucking everything around, man. <laughs> yeah, just, but these kind of, when you meet these people, you're just like, you just, you get holy shit moments of like, yeah. you never thought in a billion fucking years you'd be meeting yeah, these or, kind of or, or even to, even myself, the relationships I've built over the years, you know, even just having someone on speed dial. Yeah. Like, 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 what the fuck? Like, how do you have LL or Chuck D or yeah. on speed dial? Like, <laughs> yeah. fucking, Are you, you know, know who else? Fucking two chains. Mm. He is so fucking smart. Mm. I can't fucking believe it. Like hanging out with him is something I really smoking with him. That is something that I I wish all of you had the opportunity to do that. Because when he starts dropping knowledge, it's some seriously fucking. Did he have any skittles shit. when he was there? He loved skittles. I think I'm not sure. No, we, we were just smoking the fuck out. Yeah, make some uh, raw skittles. <laughs> I'd make him vegan too. You know, this is the last. That's it. Last. Uh, 
is it possible? We spoke about love, but is it possible to be successful and be married? Are you married? Yeah. Is, is it? Is it? Is it? Does it work? Because I mean, I, I've been married. I'm divorced. You know. Yeah. You know, sometimes people don't believe in you. It takes a while to get where you're trying to go. You know, you're sleeping in the shed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've had my stories, and it's like, sometimes I feel like to be creative and be successful, it's hard to be married. I'm I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not making a statement. I'm just speaking like it's sometimes hard for people to go through those bumps with you. All right. That's That's a really good fucking question. And, you know, from my side, the secret from me is to find a beautiful woman and then leave her the fuck alone mm. and expect the same. If you leave each other alone, a relationship does not have to be fucking chains and locks and things like that. If you love someone, you will be with them and she will be with you. The moment it becomes more of a thing of trying to control each other in any way, shit gets fucked up. It just does. But if you leave somebody alone, if you don't have the, the kind of shit of being scared, that scarcity mentality of, no, no, this is my woman. No one else can talk to her. She is mine, 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 mine. No, no. Let that fu- leave that fucking shit alone. If she meets somebody else and wants to go be with that fucking dude, if he's that awesome and that he's more awesome than me and she wants to go be with him, go on. Go be with him. That's my mentality. That's the way that I live my life. And because of, which is like letting go, which is the same thing I do with, with work, by the way. Mm. I've got a whole staff and I leave them the fuck alone. They do their thing. As long as they're getting their shit done, it's fine. Mm. It's called, um, you probably know all about this, Auftragstaktik, mm, mm. which is goal-based things. Hey, I need you to get this done. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. If you want my advice, I could try to give it to you, but get it the fuck done. Here it is. Here's the project. See you guys later. Good luck. And if you have good people, they will get it done. If they're not good at their things, they won't get it done. You replace them with somebody who's going to get it done. Sure. Then you end up with a bunch of dudes who can get the fucking shit you, done. You only have one job, right? That's to get it done. Right. There it is. Go get it done. Let me know. If you, if you need my help, let me know. Otherwise, don't let me know. Yeah. Cool. And it's the same thing, but it's the same thing with relationships. You're bringing it back to relationships. If you meet a beautiful woman that you love and you leave her alone and you don't care when she goes to talk to some other dude and she don't care when you go talk to some other girl because she knows in the end you guys are going to be back together you're going to go home that night together sure, sure. you're going to be it's going to be okay a lot of the bullshit that kills relationships goes away mm. it just does the secret to having an amazing relationship i think is letting go and just accepting and being more fearless i love my beautiful fucking wife i don't see her anywhere nearly as much as as most people see their wives it doesn't mean that i don't love her even more than somebody else. When I'm with her, because we're not together all the time, those moments are even more fucking special. Mm. You know? Mm. Let me tell you something, man. The journey uh, is, is, is the destination. May, you may never get there, but the journey is the most important thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your journey is definitely special. I want to I thank you personally for sitting down and, 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 and telling some of your journey because could, we, could be, we could do part two. Thank you. But more importantly, from trying to make this world a better place every day. And, you know, taking advantage of advantage of what you're doing, not just doing it and sitting here and fucking be like, yo, I'm fucking making money. I'm successful. Fuck you. You know, literally caring. Not many people like that. I always say we live in a world where you could save a person from dying and it'll get about a thousand views. Yeah. But the video of somebody smacking the shit out of somebody and them falling down the stairs will probably get like a million views. Yeah, I experienced that. But I do believe 
that we will get into the where we're, we're going to get where we're supposed to be soon one day. And uh, it's going to be because of people like you. So listen, internets, um, raw rolling papers, man. All you fans out there, listen, keep on supporting. Um, it's it, it's special to see the movement. I think, to be honest with you, I think that like you guys just really just begun. How many years is uh, is, is it in business, Raw? Well, I launched Raw itself in two thousand. Really launched it mm. in two thousand five. Okay, so so we're in. We're in. We're, we're what thirteen years in. You know. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're gonna have a lot of celebrations. Uh, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's 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 still it's still in its you know baby steps. We're still gonna move on over to bigger things. But internet, Josh Kesselman. Make sure you follow him. Make sure you check out everything he's doing. And if you see him in the fucking streets, say hello. Yeah, buy, buy him a vegan donut. <laughs> buy him a vegan cookie. I want to try out some vegan stuff next time. I'm gonna come see him in Vancouver. But internet, Josh Kesselman. See you next episode. Cheer. Take care, Josh. Thanks, man. I just came from having vegan cheesecake, too. It's funny. Really? Yeah. Peace, brother. Peace Food Cafe. It's fucking delicious. Where's that in? It's over on 11th Street in University. Okay, in New York. Okay. Yeah, right in the city. Vegans, make sure you go visit that. <laughs> Take care. Internets, if you enjoyed that episode, holler at your boy. Let me know, okay? But I want you to do is I want you to tell a friend to tell a friend. And I really want you to rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. Let me know what, let me know what you're thinking, man. Come on, stop playing. And also... I want you, if you're a big business, small business, whatever business you have, email thepremiumpeachshow at gmail.com and let's get working together. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on social, on Twitter, at Premium Pete Show, at Premium Pete, and let's get it cracking. Internet, I'll see you next episode. Cheers.